tonight on NJ Spotlight News. Acting as a foreign agent while serving as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Additional federal charges filed against New Jersey's senior senator and his wife. That he would took these different paths, it's alleged, to engage in uh, corrupt efforts to influence both U.S. and non-U.S. Uh, governments uh, for improper purposes. Also on the ground in Israel negotiating peace when Hamas unleashed its tirade of terror. An ungodly attack by this group that is nothing more than pure evil as part of the manifesto. As Palestinians here in New Jersey lament the loss of loved ones. My cousin's uh, daughter, um, she lost four of her children, children, babies, babies, uh, four in one, in one under the rubble. And check your bank account. Anchor payments begin to drop for renters and homeowners today. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. Funding for NJ Spotlight News is provided by NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association, and by the PSEG Foundation. From NJPBS, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Thursday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. We begin with breaking news. New Jersey senior U.S. Senator Bob Menendez is being hit with new federal charges tonight. Prosecutors are accusing Menendez of acting as an unregistered foreign agent of the Egyptian government. A superseding indictment filed today in Manhattan Federal Court alleges Menendez violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act, or FARA, which requires people to register with the U.S. government if they plan to act in that capacity. Members of Congress, though, are strictly barred from being an agent of a foreign government. The new criminal charges come just weeks after a sweeping indictment charged Menendez and his wife of accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, gold bars, and a luxury car, all from three New Jersey businessmen with ties to Egypt in exchange for the senator's help and influence. Menendez and the other four co-defendants have pleaded not guilty to those charges. The indictment also alleges Menendez, who is chairman of the powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee provided sensitive U.S. government information and took other steps that secretly aided Egypt's government. For more on what this means for the case, I'm joined by former federal prosecutor Brian Whistler. Brian, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, these charges, more stunning charges, but acting as an agent of a foreign principal, break that down for us in a big picture, what that means. Sure. Uh, happy to. The relevant statute, the uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act, uh, known by shorthand as FARA, is under the federal uh, U.S. Code, Title 22. It's a disclosure and registration requirement for any U.S. Uh, citizen or national acting on behalf of a foreign entity, whether it's a government um, or a corporate entity, for that matter, is required by law to register with the National Security Division 
of the U.S. Justice Department. And there are criminal penalties for the knowing failure to do that. So how serious of a charge is this for a sitting member of the United States Senate, the chair, co-chair of the Foreign Relations Committee? According to the indictment, it alleges between 2018 and 2022 that the senator agreed to and took actions not just on behalf of Egypt, but also on behalf of the Egyptian military. Yeah, I think this is kind of a, a multi-purpose uh, superseding charge, which is just sim in simple terms a supplemental add-on to the existing indictment. Um, I think it kind of plays into the Justice Department's theme of the senator's corrupt intent with respect to the conduct that is alleged. But this indictment makes some specific examples. There's a civilian, American civilian, who was injured by an Egyptian airstrike. Um, there are sales of uh, munitions and, and military aid uh, that is alleged uh, Senator Menendez made some actions on that would be beneficial to Egypt. Do you, from reading the indictment and in your understanding of this, see a direct connection there? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it, it, it just expands upon and enlarges the the picture that DOJ is trying to paint with regard to the senator's state of mind, that he would took these different paths, it's alleged, to engage in uh, corrupt efforts to influence both U.S. and non-U.S. Uh, governments uh, for improper purposes. And I think it's pretty clear that's part of the narrative here that they're trying to portray in the indictment. Uh, and of course, now with the superseding charge, which um, is is really an effort as a former prosecutor, I can tell you once a defendant signals that they are fairly dug in and, and not inclined to um, engage in settlement discussions, that this is just an effort to kind of leverage um, the DOJ's position uh, with adding additional charges that also creates mm. additional potential criminal exposure. So we may see more than more of this picture that, that the DOJ is looking to paint. Potentially so. Uh, uh, very quickly, I just want to ask you about whether or not this casts a shadow. These are, of course, allegations. They have not been proven. Um, but this is someone who has tremendous influence in the Senate. Uh, and as a federal prosecutor, would you be looking into whether this cast a shadow on other dealings and every other action he had taken during that time or perhaps around that time period? Yeah, I think this new charge is certainly representative of that type of effort. And when you're looking at a, a high-profile individual that you're targeting, you certainly want to kind of cover the waterfront to, to determine if there is any other conduct that resembles the, the initial conduct that predicates the investigation. And I should have mentioned early, Earlier, as I think the indictment reflects, there's a categorical prohibition on members of Congress uh, serving as foreign agents. So the registration issue isn't really even relevant here because of the Senate ethics rules that that, that apply. Brian Whistler is a former federal prosecutor and an attorney with Baker and McKenzie. Brian, thanks so much. My pleasure. Good to speak with you. Americans trapped in Israel will soon have charter flights to help ferry them from the war-torn area to destinations in Europe. The U.S. government says details are still being worked out, but the flights begin tomorrow. The decision comes as U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken today stood shoulder to shoulder with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, vowing the U.S. will always be there, but asked Israel to take every possible precaution at protecting civilian life. 
Israel is continuing airstrikes on Gaza, where Hamas carried out a surprise terror attack six days ago that killed more than 1,300 people in Israel, including at least 27 Americans. And the humanitarian crisis there is deepening. More than 1,400 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza, including nearly 500 children. Officials on the ground say many more are at risk of starvation with access to electricity, water, and other essential supplies cut off. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan spoke with New Jerseyans who've been working to get themselves and their families out. They don't have a roof over their head. They're sleeping on the floors in the airport. A furious Duvi Honig says thousands of families lined up at airports in Israel for days need help from the U.S. government to escape as the war with Hamas intensifies. Most major airlines canceled flights, leaving panic-stricken Americans stranded. The Lakewood resident and his family caught a last-minute flight out on Turkish Airlines the day before it also suspended operations. All the American flights were canceled. How dare the American government not intervene and say, we don't let you stop uh, the flights. You know, you have, to, you have a responsibility to bring back the American people. And they just dropped them cold turkey. You know, it, 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 it's catastrophic, and, and the State Department doesn't want to own up. Governments from several nations, including Germany and France, have sent planes to airlift their citizens out of the war zone. This afternoon, the Biden administration announced it'll arrange charter flights out of Israel to sites in Europe for U.S. citizens starting tomorrow. The State Department's working on whether the flights will be free. Governor Murphy messaged he'd spoken to United Airlines CEO and that it will add to additional flights in the coming days from Athens to Newark International. I think the U.S. should help out a little bit more and just to get them out of there because it's getting worse every single day. It's getting worse. Tamika Collins spoke from an airport in Jordan. Her tour group got caught in the initial Hamas rocket attack and fled the country on a three-hour bus ride north. She's booked on a flight out of Amman tonight. I was lucky. My, my group was lucky to get out quickly. And it was hard to get that bus because they're using all the buses for the military. Israeli defense forces are massing at the border with Gaza as bombardment there continues unabated in retaliation for the October 7th Hamas terror assault. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken again repeated U.S. resolve to stand by Israel and at a news conference today described images of Israelis slaughtered in the Hamas attack. A baby, an infant, riddled with bullets. Soldiers beheaded, young people burned alive. It almost defies comprehension. Blinken also noted Hamas uses innocent civilians as human shields, but he will be meeting with different Arab states to discuss possible safe passage for civilians to leave Gaza. Palestinians in New Jersey get intermittent calls from their families in Gaza who report they're completely cut off without food, water or electricity, fleeing their homes. Running in the dark around sometimes in, in the middle of the night and he hasn't heard from them since. It's civilian all over Gaza are being targeted right now and not, not a single person feel safe. Tamjad Abuqwix grieving his cousin and her four young children who died in one attack in Gaza. He says he doesn't condone violence against anyone, but the Gaza blockade and attack... is a massacre of 2.3 million people, okay? 
whatever happened on, on October 7th, there's nothing that I can you can tell me or can convince me to justify what's happening right now. Every minute, people are being killed. It's not just my family, everybody else's family. The Hamas attack claimed another former New Jersey resident, Leor Abramov. His parents confirmed the death on Facebook. Abramov attended the rave where Hamas gunned down hundreds of partygoers. He hid in a concrete shelter but could not escape. Every Israeli murdered by Hamas, every Palestinian killed in Gaza, his divine sparks extinguished. At a vigil last night in Manhattan, people decried all the lives lost and prayed for a peaceful resolution. But a former Hamas leader has called for a global day of anger tomorrow, and security around the New York metro area is on high alert. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. This week, a small bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers met with Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and other Israeli government leaders. It was to express unity and support in the wake of the surprise attack by Hamas. Among them, South Jersey Congressman Donald Norcross, who sits on the House Armed Services Committee. But it comes as the House remains divided over electing a new speaker, and the disorder in the chamber has the potential to affect how and when aid gets delivered to Israel. Representative Donald Norcross joins me now to explain. Congressman Norcross, uh, thanks for joining us uh, from Capitol Hill tonight. What can you tell me about your visit with Israeli leaders um, and, and just your ability to get in and out of there with that small contingent you traveled with? Well, this was part of a scheduled trip to the Middle East, ironically focused on peace. Uh, we were able to meet with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia Friday night, where we had a very direct uh, conversation on what a peace plan with Israel and Saudi Arabia might look like. And as I suggest, we went to bed with a dream of hope of long-lasting peace in the Middle East and literally woke to a nightmare of a, an attack on Israel by Hamas, an ungodly attack by this group that is nothing more than pure evil as part of their manifesto. And uh, certainly uh, shocking, sad, uh, and concerning. Based on the talks that you had then and what has transpired since, um, is there any hope of those negotiations? And uh, beyond this aid package that we know is being crafted, what else is the U.S. and, and what are yourself, congressional members, doing in this situation? Well, first and foremost, to those who have lost loved ones that were killed, captured, those who are unknown, the humanity of what is going on here, literally execution of civilians by Hamas. Let me ask you about uh, about uh, one piece of that. We know that there are Americans who are in Israel. Uh, what is Congress doing? What is being done uh, to help those Americans out? Um, is an airlift possible at this point? Well, that certainly, if things deteriorate to the point that if there was a second front to open up, and we got the calls in our office, and we are helping to expedite that. But what we saw firsthand, driving literally from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv past the airport, is the airport is open, 
over 400 flights in and out of that it's, airport. It's open, but I'm sure you, even more so than, than me, Congressman, have seen the photos of the absolute chaos at the airport in Tel Aviv um, and the folks who are in, in distress trying to find any way out. I mean, we spoke with one woman. It's taken her several days to get to Dubai. Um, and so it's open, but it's not necessarily running smoothly. It is not running smoothly. And quite frankly, the American carriers are not running in and out of there. We've encouraged them to do so. So there are plans being developed as we speak that if needed, there would be the availability of an airlift out. But let's be clear, the vast majority of Americans who are living in Israel are staying in Israel right now. What we are looking for is in the developments of the future, if it were to get worse, America does logistics better than any country in the world and we would be able to get those American citizens who want out, we can get them out. Uh, okay, An important message there then for anyone who's listening. Um, let me just shift gears. Uh, there's a roughly $2 billion military aid package that's being crafted, but you all in the your chamber still have no speaker. What is happening uh, now that the GOP members have put forward Steve Scalise? Well, let's make this absolutely and perfectly clear. Politics has no role in this. We heard within the last few hours, Israel has put together a unity government. We need to make sure that our government is up and functioning with a single purpose, as we did after 9-11. But military equipment is moving as we speak, literally within hours. Long-term, well, I'm seeking long-term within the next few weeks, we have to get this aid package together, which means the Republicans have to get their leadership together so we can come to God together as a unified government and help those, those democracies, in this case, Israel. Congressman Donald Norcross joining us from Washington, D.C. Congressman, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Brianna. Jersey City Mayor Steve Fulop says New Jersey has an affordable housing crisis and he's got a plan to fix it. Fulop today unveiled his latest proposal as a Democratic candidate for governor in 2025, pledging to double the funding for construction and overhaul state tax credits if elected. Senior correspondent Joanna Gagas has the story. When you talk about affordability, housing is a key part of that conversation. Jersey City Mayor Steve Fulop is on the campaign trail, joining today with South Orange Mayor Sheena Collum and Assemblywoman Sadaf Jaffer to unveil his plan to tackle affordable housing in New Jersey if elected as New Jersey's next governor. We have a commitment to double the affordable housing production that has existed in New Jersey. Fulop says that COA, the Council on Affordable Housing, needs reforms in terms of how municipalities are required to provide affordable housing to minimize what's now often a costly, drawn-out battle in the courts between towns and the state. Transparency is important because most residents don't know today what their municipality is actually doing, if their municipality is fighting. Secondly, um, we do want to tie state aid that you're eligible for to meeting those 
uh, goals on affordable housing. The public session was held in South Orange in a new luxury apartment complex that set aside 11 out of the 110 units as affordable housing units. One of the guiding principles of South Orange as we meet our affordable housing obligations is that our affordable units mirror our market rate. So all the finishings are identical for the one, two, and three bedrooms, and all the residents of the affordable units have full access to all the amenities, and um, that's really what inclusionary development should look like all throughout the state of New Jersey. It's one of several affordable housing developments in South Orange as part of their state requirement. A key here is they're building around the train station, something Jason Williams from the Fair Share Housing Center says is critical. Transit hubs are, are really, really important. Um, we need to understand that for you to have a home is for you to think about employment, for you to think about childcare, for you to think about education, um, access to healthcare. So, um, building around transit-centric places are uh, critical for those that are in affordable housing. Assemblywoman Sadaf Jaffer is happy the plan addresses rent increases that often hurt low to moderate income residents, many who are people of color. She says we need clarity around what an unreasonable rise in rents is because people come to me or say, you know, this has happened. Where is it outlined that something is reasonable or unreasonable? I think that we need clarity around that and I'm, I'm glad that we'll be providing that. Mayor Fulop governs a city that struggles with affordability perhaps more than any other in the state. He believes his efforts there are a model for other urban areas. Jersey City has built more affordable housing than anybody in New Jersey. Let's start there. It's an important point, number one. And you could always do better, but we have built more than anybody in New Jersey. And his plan would address tax abatements that he and Column agree are critical to incentivize developers, but that often become political footballs in local council meetings. There is a massive misunderstanding about what tax abatements are. They are weaponized against local governments under the assumption that somehow a big greedy developer is getting an unfair advantage. And that is not correct. The development community are our partners in actually achieving our affordable housing milestones. Mayor Phillips says that doubling the affordable housing here in New Jersey will be the first priority of his administration and that it'll happen in the first 100 days. In South Orange, I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News. In our Spotlight on Business report tonight, the state is one step closer to starting that massive turnpike widening project between Newark and Jersey City. On Wednesday, the New Jersey Turnpike Authority released a long-awaited environmental impact report for the construction and cited little to no impact on local communities. The controversial roughly $10 billion project would replace the aging Newark Bay Bridge and widen about an eight-mile stretch of the road, starting at exit 14 on the turnpike in Newark, ending at the Holland Tunnel entrance in Jersey City. The report says the project won't affect access to parks, community facilities, or places of worship. It also says no residents will be displaced, but local leaders aren't buying it, saying the project will add noise, traffic, and pollution to an already over-congested area of the state that won't reduce congestion over the long term. Check your bank account today because money from the Anchor Property Tax Relief Program may have been automatically deposited. Governor Murphy's office says direct deposit payments will start hitting today and paper checks 
will go out in the mail next week. The tax breaks can be worth as much as $1,750 for eligible homeowners and up to $700 for qualifying renters. The payments use income tax information from 2020 and won't be taxed by the state, according to Treasury officials. The money is also going out a little earlier than expected. The Murphy administration initially said distribution would start November 1st. That's one week before the statewide legislative elections. But now those who've applied and qualified will receive their benefit by November 1st. In all, more than 3 million New Jersey residents are slated to get the direct property tax relief. On Wall Street, markets are reacting to the latest inflation data, which held steady in September. Consumer prices rose 0.4 percent over last month and are 3.7 percent higher than the year prior, matching the increase we saw in August. Here's how stocks close today. And be sure to tune in this weekend to NJ BizBeat with Raven Santana. She highlights the labor side of New Jersey's cannabis market, from the jobs available to the wave of unionization in the industry. Watch it on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel Saturday at 10 a.m. And that's going to do it for us tonight. But make sure you catch Reporters Roundtable with David Cruz tomorrow. David looks at the latest Menendez indictment and whether his mounting legal troubles are the last straw in the veteran senator's political career. Then a panel of local reporters break down this week's political headlines. Watch Roundtable at its new time Fridays at noon on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel. Also a reminder to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Brianna Venozzi for the entire NJ Spotlight News team. Thanks for being with us. Have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow. The members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. And Orsted, committed to the creation of a new, long-term, sustainable, clean energy future for New Jersey. Orsted will provide renewable offshore wind energy, jobs, educational, supply chain, and economic opportunities for the Garden State. Orsted, committed to the creation of a new, long-term, sustainable, clean energy future for New Jersey. Online at us.orsted.com. NJM Insurance Group has been part of New Jersey for over a century. We support our communities through NJM's corporate giving program, supporting arts and culture related and nonprofit organizations that serve to improve the lives of children, rebuild communities, and help to create a new generation of safe drivers. We're proud to be part of New Jersey. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered.